listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, I'm just going to start like we normally do. I'm going to ask you a question. So just introduce us into this time and uh, just this question to get us back into what we've been talking about the last several weeks. Why, why are we here in this time, in this day? Why are we here? We are here to step into the fullness of all that we are. In this season, the season the Lord has said that this is a season of prayer and worship. It's not a season to pray more, to worship more, but it's a season to understand how to use these things we call prayer and worship. So many of us, and we're going through this study on prayer and worship during our Wednesday night service, but so many of us have experienced ourselves or have witnessed this, of this just, this uncomfort in prayer and this uncomfort in worship. And we're talking about prayer specifically right now, and and we've talked about how many of us have have prayed, and when praying, we're worried about if we're going to say the wrong thing, if we're going to say something that's that's offensive, if we're going to say something that uh, is wrong and the Lord's going to be mad at us, and that's a misunderstanding of prayer. That's not the Lord's heart for us. Prayer is found in relationship with God, and we know this. And We're not to live partly in it. We're not to partly understand, but fully understand prayer and worship, and specifically in this season, fully understand and fully embrace that we are called intercessors, every one of us. Because intercession, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation, and that was Jesus' ministry in which they use this word entrusted to us. That word entrusted. So the Savior of the world created a ministry and then entrusted that ministry to us. That should have some weight to it. That should, that should bring us to this recognition that it is a, an incredibly big deal, and this ministry of reconciliation is reconciling the world back to himself. It's bridge building. We are those that will stand in the gap and build a bridge, the world back to God the Father, that we would build a bridge from brokenness to restoration, from, hope, from hopelessness to hopeful. All of these things, we are meant to be the ones that stand in the gap and connect the two, that those that are lost would be found. That's our job, and that is what intercession is. Intercession is simply standing in the gap. And it's also this opportunity to partner with heaven and partner with God to the desires of his heart that he desires to see released in this day. Not for 50 years from now, not 20 years ago. He's talking about right now. We get to partner with him each and every day and understand what his will for the world is on this day. And we get to partner with him and pray those things into being and partner with all of heaven in that. It's what we're made for. And we can't approach this with any doubting. If we are made to intercede, if we are made to stand in the gap, and if we are made to remain in his presence, then when I find myself in his presence and I pray, heaven moves. We have to understand this. If I find myself in the midst of the will of God and I begin to speak, the world around me begins to be transformed. When the children of God, we are children of God. As it says in Romans 8, 17, we are children of God. And if children of God, then co-heirs with Christ, royalty in heaven. And if the children of God begin to pray, if they remain in the Father and pray, the world is affected as all of heaven moves to see it released, to see release what we have asked for. Because we know, and we talked about this last week, if we remain in the Father, if I remain in the will of God for my life, 
When I pray the desires of my heart, we know that those desires did not originate in me. It is the design of prayer. It is John 15. John 15 is talking about abiding in the Word of God. And it's not talking about the written, just simply the written Word of God. It's talking about the spoken Word of God. Meaning He's continuing to speak. So many of us have grown up with this understanding, myself included, have grown up with this understanding that when Acts, the book of Acts ended, so did God speaking. So did God inter- interacting with His children. But the book of Acts ended because it was too big to be contained within a book anymore. Do you understand that? Because every one of us and every one of our stories is a chapter in that book. And it's too grand, it's too large. There are too many millions of us that are called to walk with the Spirit of God and have seen miraculous things and have been called into wondrous things and we cannot keep up with the account of all that God is doing. There have been those that have come before me and I will never know their story until I get on the other side of heaven and I could, we cannot hope to contain all that the Lord is doing through His children in this book. This is an example of what the Lord was doing and what he released to us. Acts 2 verse 2, the releasing of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. And we see in Acts 2 verse 2, the release of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 47, we see the birth of the Christian church. Thousands of people came to know Jesus. They were repent and baptized as Peter spoke, as the Spirit gave him utterance to speak. And those repented and were saved thousands. And then we have the church and an entire city was transformed. On that day, we are made for these things. And we are children of God that have brought, been brought into these things. But we can only be brought into these things. We can only be made for these things. We can only encounter these things if we recognize that I am meant, I am created to remain in the Father, abide in the Father. I will never, ever hope to know the desires of His heart if I remain outside of Him. I must remain within Him. And when we know these desires in our hearts that we're meant to pray, God desires for us to pray the things that he has placed in our heart. Again, John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you by this. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He desires that we bear fruit, that the world would see we belong to Jesus. So he desires to give us the things that we pray for. But he doesn't desire to give us the things we pray for because he's a vending machine. He desires to give us those things because he has placed those things within our heart. Graham Cook said it in Lubbock, Texas four years ago. Heaven is not a storage facility and it is full of what you will not ask God for. It is full of the things we will refuse to ask God for. It is time that we ask God for these things. The desires in our heart, those that have sought him and pursue him daily. The desires you have in your heart are meant to be prayed. They're meant to be asked that you could see them come to be. How many of us truly know that the Father will release through His children all He desires for them if we simply ask? Do you know this? Do you believe this today? But again, the key, John 15, 4 through 8. We must abide in the vine. We must remain in Him. A branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. And we are branches of this Christ. And if we do not remain in Christ, how can we ever hope to produce fruit? It says again in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about that we are, God is making His appeal through us. 
So what appeal is the world seeing in us? Is it seeing a God of bondage, of hellfire and brimstone coming down upon you with judgment? Is it seeing a God of love that would send His only Son to die upon the cross that they would be forgiven of their sins and reconciled back to Him? That all of creation, as it was meant in the garden, could exist with their Father again? What appeal are they seeing? Are they seeing one of meekness and and people without any power? Or are they seeing a powerful people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, operating as ambassadors for Christ, as authorities in the kingdom of heaven, extending and establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Is that what they're seeing in and through us? If we don't remain in, we cannot know the will of God and the desires of his heart for this day. And church, I have a question for you again. To start into this morning on what the Lord has laid on my heart for this day. Do we desire to abide To remain in, that's what that word abide means. It means to remain in. Do we desire to remain in, hoping to discover the desires of my own heart or hoping to simply be with the one who has saved me? I'm going to expand on this. Are we setting preferences around what we hope to discover when we engage with the heart of God? Do I have desires in my heart that have originated in me? And I'm hoping that when I seek God a little bit, I'll see those desires in Him and therefore justify the things that I want. Or are we simply hoping to just engage with this Father, with this Savior who has loved us and require nothing of us? It's missing in the church today. This, this people that pursue the heart of God, not because of what he's done, not because of what he will do, simply because they love God. It's so missing. I found myself guilty of this as the Lord was showing me this. So much of our conversation in pursuing the heart of God has been because of look at all that he wants to do. That will not get you to the heart of God if you're only hoping to get there because of the actions of God. The actions are justification. They're recognition. I can look back on my life and I can see the heart of God that has been for me and the things that He has established in my life, the things that He has worked on my behalf. But it's meant to create in me a deep love for Him. Because there's also this question that's been lingering. What if the Lord releases nothing else in and through you? Would what he's already done be enough? Is who he is enough? Now we know this God. This God is a God of action. This is not a God that sits idly by and watches the world pass him. He's one that's in the presence with us. We are co-laborers with Christ. They say this for a reason. Because Christ is in the field plucking the harvest that is ready and ripe for him. And we are co-laborers. That means, and just wrap your head around this, what Savior dies, makes a way, reconciles the world back to God, that they could be reconciled, they could have a relationship and be full to the presence of God, and then comes back to labor with us in the things that he's made available to us. That is this Christ that we serve, that would co-labor with us, alongside us. 
And with all that he's done and with all that he is, is it enough for you to just simply love him? Period. The issue, again, in the church today that I've just seen, it, and it's, it's not, I, I don't mean to examine the church with any judgment or criticism. I, I just want us to recognize the thing. One, this is something the Lord has opened my eyes to in my own life. You know this. I don't bring any word to you as somebody that stands absent of learning it for himself. But recognizing in me the things that are not correct and the things that need to change. And I've recognized that I pursue God and the first thing I go to when I pursue God and I, I express my love for Him is the things that He's done. And that's a great thing, but do I just love the heart of God because of the heart of God? Because of what it is. Because of who He is. Right? We get into this with marriage. It's a tricky thing. I've had this conversation in marital counseling, but we cannot think of this as a transactional relationship, right? We know this. Marriage is not 50-50, and if I'm shattering your world right now, just hold on for a second, because it is not 50-50. It cannot be 50-50. I'll tell you right now, there are days that have come, and there are more days coming where there is not a chance in the world that I could be a pastor and bring 50% to my marriage. This job is hard. And I'll just be honest. It is not fun. Some days. It is not fun. It is not, it, it, and it's incredible fun other days. But this is difficult. And mothers in here, you know, like one of the hardest jobs in the world is because you simply don't ever get to leave the office. You're just with, you're in work all the time. And we dads, we come back home from work and we think we're in our, our place where we get to break and we get to rest. And it's like, no, this is, this is my work for a mom. And there are just days where Sarah cannot offer 50% back. There's just no way. And if I sit there and expect it, what will begin to rise in me is bitterness and anger and frustration because she's not doing her part. Whew. I dare any man to tell his wife, you're not doing your part. I'll pick you up off the ground afterward. You can come sleep on my couch. Okay, and I'll just bless you and we'll, we'll go from there. We'll start counseling just right there as you rehab back to life. And if that, if we, and I believe we all have an understanding of that. Now, we all fall into that, right? We all have struggles with that of expectation of what the other person should be doing. And we, we'll slip. But our love is not based on that. My love is not based on what Sarah does or does not do for me. My love is based on the choice of who she is and choosing to love this person. That is love. Because I would ask you then, Christ, who first loved us, what was there about us? What were we doing? What were we bringing to the table that was worthy of that love? Nothing. So if he didn't use that model of love, then we can't use that model of love. Amen? We can't use it. He loved us for who we were called to be, not what we were doing. Who he saw that we were, not what we were currently doing. And not what we do on a regular basis. But of who we are and who we are in him. He loved us. When we pursue the heart of God to find within him the things that I want him to do, we are demanding him to be the God we want and not the God that he is. 
the Messiah we think he should be. And we engage in relationship from that place, and that will always be a toxic place. And when do we do this the most? We do this the most in tough days. But my friends, I'm here to tell you, do not forget. Hear this, please. Do not forget in the darkness what you have learned in the light. We cannot be a church again. I see so many believers that when the days are sunny and bright, their devotion to the Lord is steadfast. But when the night comes, they forget everything they've learned in the light. We cannot be those people in these days. We cannot forget in the darkness what we've learned in the light because we know and we have learned that he is not the Messiah that I demand him to be. He is the Messiah he knows the world needs. But do we receive that Messiah? Do we pursue that Messiah? Do we seek to be the reflection of God who is or the God we would have him be? I have... I have had the opportunity to attend and travel around the world and be in many churches. Many churches. Thousands of churches. And I have run into so many times a church that is built around a God we would have Him be and not the God that He is. And will that be the same here? Or will we receive and engage the God that is, not the God that we would have him be? Because what do we really know? Right? At the end of it all, could you take the universe and hold it in your hands? No. So what do we know? We only know what he reveals to us. But how do we receive him as he is? How do we love him for who he is, who he has been, and will always be? As I was talking about with marriage, we choose to. We choose to love him not based on the things he will do or won't do for me. We choose to love him because of his heart and who he is. He is one that through time and time and time again as we would disobey him, he would still choose us. Time and time again we would reject him and he would still set it up in such a way that his son could come and save us. That is who he is. That is what we do. We must choose him. And I know that you know in here love is a choice. And Jesus displayed this perfectly. We see it in Luke 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, now recognize this. Some of you guys... Verse 26, right above it, you'll have a a little title for this passage. This is the crucifixion of our Messiah. And in verse 34, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We choose love. He chose love as they killed him. And you know, all of us in here, because you're alive and you have breath and you've not been stripped naked and beaten, the stakes have never been that high for any of us in this room. To choose to love those who are actively killing you. To choose to love those who just days before welcomed you with praise. And now those same people are spitting and casting lots for your clothing and mocking you as you hang upon a cross. 
We have never known a place where we had to choose love like that, but Jesus did, and he did it for us. Love is a choice because love is a gift. Galatians 5.22 speaks of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Love is a gift. You guys know this. We've been taught this all of our lives. Those that have grown up in church, love is a gift. Love is found within Him. It is a gift. But when you get a gift and you open it, does it just automatically start being used because you simply opened it? It doesn't. Husbands, how many of you in here have given a gift to your wives and it's like, oh, cool, great. And it's still sitting in that place where they opened it. You're like, so you really don't like it? No, I love it. I just love it at home where no one can see it. Like, sweet, cool, I love it. You know, thank God for shopping carts, right? Like online, I'm just like, Sarah, put it in the cart, send me the link to the cart, and we'll just do, I'll just buy you what you want. There's, I'm not shopping for you. It's not, it's not, it doesn't ever work. I've never found success in it, personally. Maybe I'm just really bad at it. But we know what that is, and we know how that feels. I don't, I don't cherish that feeling of recognizing a gift that I thought, man, this person's going to love it. And I give it to them, they're like, cool. And then it just sits there. Like, you don't ever wear it. Oh, I, I like it a lot. I just, it doesn't go with my clothes today or ever. Right? I don't have any. that It matches. So, I'm not speaking from a lot of hurt or anything. Um, but we know that we know that feeling, and it's no fun. But we also recognize in this that it is a choice to use the gift that you've been given. It is a choice. I, I have two boys, and uh, when Liam was real little, Kai was just a baby. We had a birthday party for him, and he was really in, I mean, he loves work. He loves work, and he was fascinated with Mowing the lawn, weed eating the lawn. He just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So we got him a lawnmower and a, we- a little kid's weed eater. And we made the mistake of letting him open that first. And there were a lot of other gifts that just sat in our living room as this kid went out and weed eated for like four hours. And a lot of people were like, yeah, I, g- I guess he liked it. It's like, yeah, he will someday. He just doesn't recognize it right now. He's using this gift that he was given. And he loves it. And we felt great as parents. Like, nailed it. I know my kid. But we recognized that it was a choice. He had all these gifts, tons of gifts, laying in the floor, waiting for him. We had to force him to come back in and open these gifts. Because he had gotten the one that he wanted. But it was a choice. He chose the one he wanted and he used it. But Again, it's an elementary example, but recognize that using a gift such as love is a choice. And it's not just a choice between one another. It is a choice to love our Father who is in heaven and who is also here with us. It is a choice to love Him. He chooses to love us. Get that straight too. It is not something programmed in Him where He just can't help but love you. He has chosen to love you. And that is the beauty of love, is it not? I would rather be chosen 
and be loved because it was a choice than be loved because they had no choice in it. Right? The other is slavery. It is bondage to not have a choice to love someone. To choose to love someone is a beautiful thing. It is a gift and it is a choice to use this gift of love. It is a choice to love God for who He is. Not just because of all that He has done, but for who He is. After all, His actions are a reflection of His heart. Amen? So can we be a people who pursue Him because we love Him? Not for what He has done or what He will do, but for who He is. We are called to love one another as Christ first loved us, and Christ first loved us because He chose to first love us. And He loved us to the cross where He would die because He chose that place. Again, in the garden as He's praying to the Father, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from Me, but nevertheless, not My will, Your will be done. He chose the will of God over His own breath. He chose to love God. And He chose to use this gift over His own life. Would we be people with that same conviction? Would we be people that live that same way? That love people? Not because of what they do or don't do. So many of our relationships now, so many of relationships across the board in the world today are based on a transactional basis. Reciprocity. You do this for me and I'll do this for you. You show me love and I'll show you love. Where did we learn that? We didn't learn it from Christ. And it is time for us to be a people that choose to love people not for what they do for you or against you, but because He chose to love you in spite of what you would do against Him. It was my sin that held Him there. It was your sin that held Him there. And He chose to be there still. So what excuse do we have to not love our neighbor? There's, I'll just give you a hint, there isn't one. You won't be able to find one. Nothing will be able to stand against and be greater than the choice of love that Jesus made for us. So can we be a people that would stop living this life with our relationships based on a transactional basis? 50-50. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Because I have encountered so many relationships to where I couldn't give them anything anymore. And then they were done with me. And I've been guilty of that as well. I got what I wanted out of you and I don't need you anymore. And we've applied that to our love of God. Not applied that, that's where it started. And then we started loving people because that's how we loved the Lord. I'll love you if you do this. I, I, I know so many people that I've had several interactions with recovered addicts that have had moments, one specifically when I was in junior high. Uh, he was an electrician. We were on a mission trip in Corpus Christi after a hurricane, and we were rebuilding houses, and we were just in an attic, nonstop, 24-7, in an attic, running new wires for this family in this house. And he was a former drug addict, and he, he was overdosed. He had overdosed in a bathroom stall in a bar. And he was dying. And he had one moment of clarity and he just asked the Lord, if you take this from me, I'll never touch this stuff again. And he was healed. 
Like instantaneously he was healed. He had a, there was a presence that opened the stall door and touched him and he was healed. I swears to it. And he was, he, he, no more addiction from that day on. It was crazy. And all the drugs were just out of his system. It was wild. And the Lord, for some reason, brought that story back to my mind. He said it wasn't based on the transaction. It wasn't, my healing of him wasn't based on him promising to never do that again. My love for him and me healing him was just simply because I loved him. And I wanted that for him. So all he would have had to do was ask for healing and I would have given it. God is not a God and he has not desired a relationship with us that is based on a transactional basis. So we have got to stop looking at him in our pursuit of him based on what he will do or won't do for me. And we must be a people. There must be a people that rise up now, today, that rise up and love him because of who he is. Period. I choose to love him. If he never gives me another blessing, if this is my last breath, he won't give me another one. I'll choose to love him. Will that be our conviction as a people? I mean, everything in our society is based on a transactional basis. Everything we see modeled is based on that. Can we be the difference? Because that cannot be the way we love God. Because love is a gift. And it is a choice. And will we choose to love God just because of who He is? And will we be a people that have fallen in love with the heart of God and pursue the heart of God just because we love it? Not because of what it will do for me if I do. But spoiler alert, if you pursue the heart of God, if you pursue all that you were made for, there will be nothing but blessing in your days because it is what you are made for. We talked about it this morning. I really enjoy my truck when I'm driving it on the places it was meant to be driven. I would not enjoy it as much if I drove it into Lobo Lake. It would just not be as fun because it would cease to work. You were made to choose him and he has chosen you. And so to live a life that chooses him every day, there will be nothing but joy in that life. Even in your dark days, there will be joy because it is what you were made to do. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.